Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and I'm so excited, you guys. We have sort of breaking news in the veterinary world that we're bringing you today, and I'm really excited. We're going to be talking to Dr. Angelo Marco and Dr. Andy Flory from Pet DX about the Onco Canine Test. And from what they're telling me, this is absolutely changing the paradigm in cancer in our dogs. All right, guys, are you planning your next litter of puppies? Or maybe you just finished your foundation bitch and you're ready to start health testing. Embark, creator of the highest rated dog DNA tests on the market, offers specialized testing just for breeders. And while they're offering a few different tests, only the Embark for Breeders dog DNA kit was made to provide breed-relevant disease screening for your purebred dogs. It includes traits testing, such as coat color and body size, DLA diversity testing, breed ancestry, easy-to-download OFA submission reports, and the only genetic coefficient of inbreeding test available. Find out why thousands of breeders have trusted Embark to enhance their breeding program, including me, through screening for breed-specific genetic conditions, understanding traits, and identifying genetic diversity. To save on the most accurate, most comprehensive dog DNA kit, visit EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use the code PUREDOGTALK to take $20 off a full-priced Embark for Breeders dog DNA kit. That's EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use the code PUREDOGTALK. So welcome, you guys. I am thrilled to have you here and very excited to share this information with my listeners. Thank you for having us. We're excited as well. Yes, thank you. Excellent. Okay, so let's start with you, Dr. Marco. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You are a purebred dog enthusiast. You're out there at dog shows. Yes. And so I wanted to share that with people and share sort of how you came to be in this spot with this really amazing product. Yeah, perfect. Well, like you said, you know, I am in the purebred dog world. Right now I have order tears, very excited. And I'm going to take my little boy to Westminster this year. So I'm excited to be there. I'll get to see you there. Yes, yes. We'll see each other there in person. But I got my start in dogs somewhat unconventionally. I hear all the time people are second or third generation dog people. They kind of had no choice. They grew up going to dog shows from the time they're little toddlers. But I was a little different. My mom and family were not very big animal lovers, but my sister and I were absolute animal lovers. So we're kind of like the black sheep in a the family. They are still puzzled as to why we are animal lovers and nobody else was. So we basically, you know, every Christmas would ask for a pet. And so little by little, my mom broke down. We got started with goldfish and then a parakeet and then the hamster and then the turtle. And then finally, we were able to prove that we were responsible enough to take care of a puppy. 
And we got our first golden retriever puppy when we were kids. And I was just so interested and fascinated about dogs. And I would go to the library, read on all those dog books. And that's kind of how I came to find out about dog shows and how interesting it was. And then, of course, I would see Westminster on TV. And, you know, I was just glued to it. And I just was fascinated. I said, I want to do that. And so essentially, I taught myself how to show dogs from reading the old dog show books, you know, the George Austin and the Annie Rogers Clark books, right? and went to junior showmanship. So kind of a self-taught school of hard knocks kind of dog show person here. I love it. And then you went to vet school, which is like the best part. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then so of course, you know, just the love of animals just keeps on going. And when I found out that I could be an animal doctor, kind of headed my path to that and to vet school. I went to vet school at the Western University in Pomona there in LA. And during vet school, you know, I was definitely an advocate for, continue to be an advocate for purebred dogs and responsible breeding and letting my classmates and colleagues knew how important that is. You know, yes, we learn, you know, shelter medicine and spaying and neutering is important, but there is also a place for responsible breeding of dogs and preserving those breeds, especially the rare breeds. So kind of been holding the torch for that during vet school as well. And we're giving you a giant hollow right here. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. And so tell us how you came to be involved in what is really a pretty significant breakthrough. Yeah, so my involvement with the PetDX company started all with one of my clients, Dr. Daniel Grossu, who's the founder and CEO of PetDX. You know, seeing him and his family pets, everything, of course, you know, is always great, you know, with the younger dogs. And unfortunately, his dog Poppy became very sick at a young age. And, you know, it's kind of the typical signs of my dog's being picky or my dog's just not right. So, After more and more diagnostics, we came to find out that Poppy had kind of an aggressive cancer at a young age. I believe she was only about four years old at the time. And so I referred her to Dr. Flory, who's our oncology specialist nearby. And so they kind of worked together with Poppy's case. And that's when Dr. Grossu was kind of the light bulb went off of like, well, you know, how come there's not a good diagnostic for cancer in dogs? You know, why am I just finding out about this when it's a late stage and there's not much we can do? And so that's kind of how I, you know, was associated with them. But I'll maybe let Dr. Flory take it from here and talk about the early stages of the PetDX company. Absolutely. That would be amazing. And Dr. Flory, I'm really excited for you to tell us more about Because, of course, everybody jumps to, oh, I can predict my dog could get cancer instead of what this test actually does, which is that you are able to, and tell me if I get this wrong, you are able to identify cancer cells in the dog's body before they actually start to cause a problem. Pretty close. Um, We actually identify a biomarker of cancer that comes from cancer cells, which is the DNA, the actual DNA that comes from the cancer cells. And that is called circulating tumor DNA. And so Daniel Grosu, who is our CEO and founder, who was my client as well. So Dr. Marco sent him and Poppy to see me. And so Poppy was my patient and 
Daniel had an expertise in genomics and liquid biopsy. He had developed this on the human side, and he knew that this had the ability to revolutionize medicine and revolutionize our ability to detect cancer in patients, potentially even before they start to show signs and symptoms. Right. And he thought, you know, I know that this exists. I have this expertise and the ability to bring together a team that can do this. And now this is affecting me personally through with my own dog. I really want to fix this problem in veterinary medicine and bring my expertise to be able to help veterinarians identify cancer in their patients sooner, help families identify cancer in their pets sooner before it's too late, before it's just really too late for us to kind of make a whole lot of difference. Because in Poppy's case, her cancer was only able to be managed for about seven weeks I mean, as Dr. Marco said, she was only four years old. I mean, you're just not expecting that when your dog is so young. It was absolutely devastating for his family. So he really wanted to bring this to the veterinary community to be able to help identify cancer sooner. I just think, as I mentioned, when we sort of put this together, I just think this is so, so amazing and such an incredibly useful tool. Tell us a little bit more, this particular, the Oncocanine test is particularly useful in certain cancers, lymphoma, hemangio, and osteosarcoma. Yep. Those big three, the detection rate is really high. It's 85%. And those are the most aggressive cancers that we see in dogs. So the fact that we have the potential to identify those really aggressive cancers sooner is just amazing. And so the way that would kind of work is if you think about dogs that are at high risk of cancer because of they're getting older, for example, we know that the risk of cancer increases with age or because of their breed. You're certainly aware of there are some breeds that just get a lot of cancer. Unfortunately, if we think about testing those individuals as a screening test, like as an annual test before they're showing any clinical signs, you know, while they're still healthy, If we can identify cancer while they're still feeling good, then we may have a better chance of controlling it longer term. And I think that piece right there is so amazing because, again, I'm associated with a number of breeds in which hemangio is instant death. And so, Dr. Marco, I wonder if maybe you could address some of the things in the clinical setting or Dr. Flory, whoever you'd like to take this. In terms of, so I find out, I do this regular screening on, say, my Spinoni and it's starting to show this DNA. What do I do? What's my next step? Yeah, so from my perspective, being a general practitioner, you know, I'll be your primary veterinarian. And, you know, we discuss doing the test in addition to maybe your annual lab work. And the test will come back with a positive cancer signal detected. And then I look at your blood work and your blood work's going to look gorgeous. You know, I hear all the time before Oncocanine came around, people will say, why do you want to run a blood test? Is that blood test going to find cancer? And unfortunately, the answer is usually no, unless the cancer is affecting your liver, your kidneys, that kind of stuff. Usually dogs can have a perfectly beautiful chemistry profile and complete blood count and still have cancer. So now we would have oncocanine in addition to the regular screening blood work I would do. If it comes up with a positive signal, that's when I have a conversation with you and say, hey, This test is screening for cancer. We've got a positive cancer signal detected. Let's go ahead and start doing a little bit more of a deep dive into the workup and to see, you know, and find where the cancer is. So that's when we're going to talk about doing some x-rays, an abdominal ultrasound, 
you know, going on the hunt for where this cancer may be. Because like we mentioned, you know, a lot of times we're not finding cancer until your pet's already not doing well. It's lethargic. It's not eating. So when your dog is still happy and wagging its tail and eating, you know, three meals a day or whatever, let's start looking for that. And with such a high detection rate of this test, you know, we're pretty confident that we'll find something somewhere, which, you know, may be an unfortunate thing, but the key is, is early detection. And if we find it sooner before your pet's already acting sick from it, I can refer you to the oncologist and then start therapy or whatever it is we need to potentially surgery. Let's say if it's an osteosarcoma and I take x-rays and I already find a small bony lesion, well, let's get that surgery and take it off of there before it starts getting big. And hopefully again, it'll extend our prognosis, you know, longer term. Okay. And Dr. Flory, as the oncologist, now Dr. Marco has sent you this patient. Onco Canine has said, we see these DNA markers. And so what's your protocol from there? Talk to us about some of the treatment options that are available that you wouldn't be able to do if the dog came to you further progressed into the situation. I think that a perfect example of that is that you mentioned hemangiosarcoma. And Mm -hmm. I think about the cases that we get almost universally when we discover hemangiosarcoma, it's because the tumor is bleeding or it's already spread and the metastatic lesions are bleeding. And that it often results in a middle of the night visit to the emergency room. It's a snap decision. Maybe your dog looked normal that morning. And then all of a sudden you're in the ER being told your dog has a tumor on the spleen and it's bleeding and we need to do emergency surgery and we need to do a blood transfusion. And there's really only one decision that you can make right now. And that is, it's shocking, it's traumatic, it's painful for the dog. It's all of those things. And it happens so unexpectedly and it's so emotional. Yes. Dr. Marco had this amazing case that happened during the study of a dog with the best name ever, which is CC Pepperoni. And um, I would love for him to tell the story of Cece because she's just a superstar. I think that her case just perfectly exemplifies what you can do when you find it early. Yeah, Cece is a very special dog to all of us because we enrolled her in our clinical study that's been published now to validate the test. And basically, my task was to enroll healthy dogs. Mine, you know, anybody in the clinic, all clients, staff wanted to enroll their dogs because they're all healthy. And so we drew CC's blood. Everything's great with her. And then when the sample was run, so they collected and banked the sample. So we got the sample tested about four months later and we got a positive signal. So Dr. Flory contacts me and says, hey, can you go ahead and, you know, reevaluate CC, see if she's showing any signs of cancer and do some more lab tests and diagnostics, which we did. So far from the owner of CC's, the typical happy wagging pity mix, love is everybody, kisses everybody. We did x-rays and ultrasound. She had some nodules on her x-rays in the lungs and thought, well, we don't know what really that is. So to look further, we sent her off for a CT scan because her abdomen ultrasound wasn't clear. And during the CT scan was when they found a little tumor in the heart, which we're very, very surprised to see. And so, of course, as soon as I get that phone call, my heart just drops. They were also able to aspirate one of the nodules on the lung, and it came back suspected sarcoma, which that plus a tumor in the heart 
I was already thinking hemangiosarcoma right away. And so with that information, I was able to talk to CC's family and say, you know, we have a high suspicion this is hemangiosarcoma based on what we're finding. We have the option now to go to the oncologist and see if we have any chemotherapy protocols we could start with while CC is still happy and healthy and not showing any clinical signs. And as a family, they decided to kind of just go with palliative care, monitoring her and watching her. And so that's five months now after the Onco K9 test was run. And we did a secondary sample just to confirm it was still positive. And it wasn't until around July, so seven months after the Onco K9 test already detected cancer, that Marina, CC's owner, started telling me, you know what, we're noticing some coughing. We're noticing she's slowing down, but she's being a trooper and still wants to play and still wants to be part of the family. I did repeat our diagnostics, chest x-rays and ultrasound and abdominal x-rays. She did have more nodules in her chest at that time, unfortunately. And we did find a tumor in the spleen and a tumor in the liver. So, you know, unfortunately at seven months, when she started slowing down and started coughing, was when I saw things on our typical diagnostics of x-rays and ultrasound that the cancer is spreading, you know? And so ultimately, of course, as her quality of life was declining, we were able to make the decision to euthanize her and put her to sleep peacefully. But the family was so, so thankful because although they knew that Cece had cancer months, months ago, they were just so thankful to have that information and really make the best of the time that they had. And they didn't know how much longer that would be, but their last day when they decided today was going to be her day, they took her out to the beach. She ate a whole pepperoni pizza, which is her favorite thing, which is why she's named after that. And she had really the best day. And again, that's very, very different from what Dr. Flory described. You're in the ER, your pet is bleeding out, and you have a doctor telling you it's either surgery or nothing, and not to mention the cost involved. And my understanding, surgery is often unsuccessful at that point. Yeah, so it's a very, very high-risk surgery. You know, it's not just, oh, we just do surgery. It's a high-risk surgery. There's blood transfusions involved, typically. There's hospitalization. So even if you make it through a difficult surgery, there's days of recovery afterwards. And then there's the follow-up of, do we do chemotherapy afterwards? You know, so it's not to be taken lightly at all. There's still lots of risks, even if you say, you know, yes, let's do surgery there's no guarantees yet, you know, so very, very difficult. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet. Trupanion cares passionately about pets and makes sure their policy has what it takes to serve you and your furry companions. In fact, they are the first pet insurance provider to cover certain health conditions associated with breeding animals through their specialized breeding rider. Their industry-leading coverage does not stop there. Trupanion's free breeder support program also allows you to send your litters home protected with an offer for a Trupanion policy. Learn more about all of the perks that Trupanion offers breeders by following the link on my partner page, at puredogtalk.com.
And so, Dr. Flory, talk to me a little bit about some of the theoretically we could, right? If we see these signals, we have a breed that is historically known to pop up hemangio in the middle of the night, or in my case, in the morning when the dog couldn't get down the stairs, you know, and his gums are bright white. Well, okay, this is going to be a problem, right? If you know in advance, do you do a splenectomy? What does this give people in terms of options? One important thing to note is that when we see a cancer signal on this test, it's an indication of malignant tumor cells in the body right now. It's not something that they were cured of five years ago, and it's not a predisposition test. Right. So it's not something that it's predicting. It's something that is there in the body right now. So that really highlights the importance of going forward on that cancer hunt, I'm saying with quotation marks, Mm -hmm. to find where is this cancer signal coming from. And that's where it becomes important to kind of leave no stone unturned take a sample of every lump and bump, even if it's been there, you know, for a while, and you think that it's just a lipoma, Mm -hmm. doing routine lab work to look for any changes in the organ kind of values, doing imaging tests to look to see if like in CC, there's something kind of hiding in there that we weren't really expecting to find. So it becomes really important to try to find wherever this cancer signal is coming from with a thorough workup, and then to make a decision about what to do. And I think what CeCe's case really highlights is that it really potentially provides the family with just more options. So when they found out, you know, they could have decided to pursue an oncology consult. They could have decided to kind of not do a whole lot, but what they decided to do is get her started on some palliative treatments that probably extended her life. And she had a longer period of a good quality of life because it helped to prevent any bleeding from happening. And they were able to kind of make those decisions of what they wanted to do on their own terms. They weren't forced into it in a middle of the night ER visit. So Mm -hmm. that's a very personal decision, what every family decides to do, but also for the veterinarian that's walking them through this, it feels a whole heck of a lot better for a doctor like Dr. Marco, who's been managing CeCe's care since she's a young puppy at the end of her life to be able to say, I have options to give you rather than to have to say, I'm sorry, there's not a lot I can do. It's the worst feeling, right? As a veterinarian, we just want to help animals so bad. So it feels so bad to be in that situation like I was with Poppy when it's like her cancer is so advanced. There's just not a lot I can do to control this for very long. Dr. Marco, some of the ideas, and Dr. Flora was touching on some of them, the palliative cares. Can you give listeners just that sense of, you know, you have XPath, XPath, and XPath, and now you have these options what are some of those paths that you can suggest at that point? Yeah, absolutely. Not everybody has access to a Dr. Flory. Right, right, <laughs> like, right. Yeah. I can tell you here in Grants Pass, Oregon, I don't have an oncologist. <laughs> so I'm saying. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, you know, ultimately it kind of also depends on what particular cancer we find. So again, if we talk about our top three, lymphoma, hemangiosarcoma, and osteosarcoma, And question, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but question that I thought of earlier, when you get this cancer signal, does it say I'm signaling from lymphoma or I'm just signaling cancer? 
do you have that much specificity when you get the results back from the oncocanine test? So it's funny that you gave that example because most cancers, so the test can detect 30 types of cancer. I know so far we've kind of highlighted the detection rate in the top three, but really it can detect 30 different types of cancer, which is really phenomenal. And most of the time it's a yes, no answer. It's kind of a qualitative. It's either a cancer signal is present in this patient's blood sample, or there is no cancer signal that we detect in this patient's blood sample. However, in a subset of cancers, and these are what we call hematological cancers. So lymphoma, leukemia, blood cancers, blood cancers, we can detect this is a cancer signal, but looks like a lymphoma leukemia cancer signal in about half of those cases. So about half of lymphomas, for example, we can provide that, we call it a cancer signal origin. So the report would contain that, not just the yes, no, but also the prediction of cancer signal origin. And we're very optimistic that we'll be adding more cancer types to that list very soon. Yeah, that was kind of my follow-up. I'm like, okay, so we can do lymphoma now. Will we be able to do X, Y, or Z Uh going forward? So back to you, Dr. Marco, talking about, you know, I'm the general practitioner and I'm dealing with this yes, no signal. I'm going to go through the process to attempt to identify where and what type of cancer we're dealing with. And listeners will know we've had other podcasts that talk about some of the cancer things but I know there's been so much advance in the treatment of cancer in dogs. Can you talk a little bit about that, what people could actually do? Sure, sure. So, you know, like I was saying, depending on when we actually find the cancer and what type it is. So say, for example, it's an osteosarcoma. So we do x-rays and I find a little bone lesion and I say, aha, I see something abnormal on that femur, let's say on the back leg, Mm -hmm. we have the option to do a little biopsy or aspirate of it and confirm Mm -hmm. that it does look like osteosarcoma in there. And then at that point, we have a name to the disease and say, okay, Mm -hmm. with osteosarcomas, we know that this is the behavior it has. Now that we actually find the bone lesion before your dog is painful and limping or has a fracture from it. Or it has metastasis, right? And reached it something other than just that bone. Right, right, exactly. So hopefully we're at a stage where it hasn't metastasized and chest x-rays look great. So now I could have a conversation with you and say, hey, what are your thoughts about amputating this limb and getting that bulk of the cancer out? While again, you know, we have the luxury of making that time decision. If your dog didn't already fracture that leg, let's go ahead and get it out now. You know, I know that's a big decision to make and you don't have to make it right there in the room in front of me. We have now time for you guys to go home, talk about it as a family, think about the cost of it, think about the aftercare, you know, after surgery, are you guys going to be able to commit to that? So let's say, okay, we go ahead and amputate. Now, okay, we've got the pathology report from the amputation. It is osteosarcoma. Then we discuss, okay, you know, do we seek referral to an oncologist for follow-up chemotherapy? What are we going to do for monitoring from here on out? Mm -hmm. Are we going to do x-rays every three months or every six months? So we kind of now can map out what it's going to look like a little bit better. And again, I always like to tailor the recommendations to the specific family, you know, and what you guys can do, because yes, Like you said, not everybody can have access to radiation oncology or medical oncology, and that's fine. You know, if we can get a surgeon to at least amputate the limb, 
that's okay. You know, that's a big chunk of the battle, I think. Mm -hmm. Even with things like lymphoma, you know, some of my clients are not able to pursue a full lymphoma protocol for chemotherapy. And it's like, okay, well, let's just start with PrEP, you know, let's Mm -hmm. just kind of tamp it down with some PrEP. That's okay. We still have the option later on to pursue chemotherapy with an oncologist. But if you guys are not comfortable with that right now, let's just do something to kind of keep it at bay while we find it early. Excellent. Anything you wanted to add to that, Dr. Flory? Yeah. I mean, I would just highlight that one of the biggest tools for cancer is a tool that most general practitioners have, which is the ability to do surgery. And so when we find cancers, if we can find them early, the hope is that many of them may be surgically removable. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that is like Dr. Marco said, a procedure that often can be performed in the general practitioner's office. If not by them, then, you know, a lot of them can have the ability to call in a specialist surgeon to their own practice. So that's a tool that many practices do have access to. So that's a theoretical goal is if you can Mm -hmm. find cancer early, the first step in defeating cancer is just knowing that the dog has it. So finding it. And then if it's a type of cancer that can be removed, then considering surgery is one of the biggest tools that we have to fight cancer. Well, and again, just sort of in, as we think about closing the conversation, I think about all of the cancer screening that's available for people that we just haven't had for dogs, you know, whether it's a colonoscopy or a squish the boobies, right? I mean, like, it's really so amazing that we have now gotten medicine to the point through PetDX that we can actually do some level of cancer screening for our dogs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you turn on the TV and you hear commercials about the, you know, colon screening. Cologuard. Okay. Okay. Yep, exactly. (laughs) You know, and yeah, so finally veterinary medicine is not 20 years behind human medicine, which we usually are. We are right up neck and neck with human diagnostics, at least in this case, which is fantastic. I think it's fabulous. So briefly, so that people know We'll make sure there's links. Everybody will be able to access the information in the blog post. But the process to add this to your annual blood draw that you do for your dog and run a, you know, CBC and a whatever, the veterinarian, and again, this is my understanding, the veterinarian pulls the blood and sends it to IDEX? Yeah, there's three ways to get the test. And they can sign up through us directly at PetDX. The veterinarian or the client? The veterinarian. Okay. Because what the test requires is we're looking for these really delicate little fragments of DNA, and they are present at extremely tiny quantities, and they degrade very rapidly. And so we have to stabilize them with a really special blood collection tube. So to run the test, the veterinarian has to get a kit from us or from one of the major veterinary diagnostic distributors like IDEX, Antec, those kind of companies. So most hospitals do work with one of those diagnostic distributors, so can probably get the test through them. So they do need to request the kit first. And then depending on how they got the kit will depend on how they send the kit back. But essentially it all comes back to our lab here in San Diego. We do all of the work in-house to do all of the sequencing And then we issue a report back to the veterinarian. I love it. Okay. So listeners, if this is something you want added to your veterinary clinic, have your veterinary clinic reach out to PetDX. That's the way to do this. 
Yep. You can also go online and to our pet parents page on petdx.com and get some more information there. Sign up on interest list, that sort of thing. The other thing that you can do is if you're interested in when should you start screening your individual dog, we're actually just about to launch a tool on our website called the Cancer Safe Tool. And this is essentially plug in your dog's breed and weight And it will tell you what age does this breed generally, if they're going to get cancer, get cancer, meaning what age should you start screening? And that will kind of inform the veterinarian and pet owners a little bit more in terms of when that cancer screening should start. And not just, you know, oncocanine cancer screening, but just cancer screening in general, right? Because it's important to also remember that that annual or twice a year visit to your family, your primary care veterinarian to do that exam, a really thorough kind of look and, you know, check out any lumps and bumps and do that kind of general lab work to look for early disease of any type, including cancer is really important to still continue to do that. Excellent. Well, thank you, doctors, very, very much. I think this is pretty amazing. And I'm super excited to be able to get the information out to people and get some questions answered and see if we can't do good things for our dogs. And I look forward to following all of the amazing things that you're going to do as you continue developing this concept. I just think it's amazing. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you so much. Thanks so much. All right, you all. I am so excited to let you know that Revival Animal Health is now a proud sponsor of Pure Dog Talk. Revival Animal Health understands your commitment to be a dog breeder. And that's why Revival is the place to turn for all your dog breeding needs. As the pet vaccine experts, Revival is number one in selection. Breeders trust Revival to protect their moms and get their puppies off to a strong start. Revival offers a complete line of breeding products from pregnancy and whelping and newborn care to Revival's own reproductive and neonatal health brand, Breeders Edge. Revival's Director of Veterinary Services, somebody you might know, Dr. Marty Greer, is a leading expert in canine reproduction and neonatal care. Revival's online learning center is filled with free articles, videos, and webinars, sharing insights and tips on pet health topics, including breeding and newborn care. When you call Revival, a friendly and knowledgeable pet care pro will greet you. Revival's pet care pros receive regular training and are available to answer your dog breeding questions. Learn more today at RevivalAnimal.com. Like the NPR of dogdom, Pure Dog Talk is here for you to make sense out of everyday things, to add nuance to your understanding and tools to your tech box, to bring history to life and propel the living history of purebred dogs into the future. The Pure Dog Talk patrons support the work we do here by contributing what they can to our crowdsourcing campaign. In return for the generosity that keeps the MP3s rolling, patrons are invited to a private Facebook community where dog people can share, applaud, and commiserate together. Our monthly After Dark gatherings provide a virtual get-together for the group. You can find the link to join the best community and purebred dogs right at the top of the homepage at www 
www.puredogtalk.com. While you're there zooming around on the site, check out our Pure Dog Talk swag link. You can share the love by grabbing some of our fun Pure Dog Talk gear. Just remember, your support adds up to a huge voice for purebred dogs. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our Dog Show Superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk.